Good morning to each one of you. It's a blessing to be here uh, with you this morning. For a little while this morning, I'd like to think about doors. Uh, what comes to your mind when you think about doors? Just tell me. Okay, a door to heaven. Okay. Okay, a heart. Yeah, the scripture speaks of our hearts having a door. Opportunities, yeah. Alex? Our hearts? Oh, the door to the ark. Yes, very much so. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah, there's lots of things come to mind when we think about doors. Is it open? Is it closed? Where is the key? Sometimes uh, at Paul's shop there we have a he kid, a key hid, and uh, sometimes certain people stick it in their pocket and don't return it to its hidden place, and then someone else comes and can't get in because we don't know where the key is. Oh, some of us young men uh, many years ago knocked on a door to uh, talk to a father about uh, a relationship with the daughter, you know, and you can some of you remember that uh, little bit of a scary feeling as you walk up to that door and knock. Will they let me in? And the father on the inside, who is that knocking on the door? Should I let him in? Um, why is there a door here? You know, sometimes we wonder that. Um, you walk into a house and why do they have a door there? The title of the message is God the Keeper of Doors. Um, many times... Uh, doors bring us to a point of decision. God opens and closes doors. Sometimes the doors that God opens and closes are made of wood, sometimes steel, sometimes flesh, maybe even spirit. Sometimes they're opportunities, uh, sometimes they're relationships. I think what got me started down this road of this message uh, Many years ago, somehow this came back to mind, many years ago, probably when I was eight to 10 years old, at my home church, occasionally on Sunday evenings, we would have a song service and oftentimes would invite someone from another congregation to come in and lead the singing. I had a great uncle, Ben Weaver. Now, Ben Weaver was a pretty big man and Ben Weaver, was a preacher, he was an auctioneer, and he was a song leader, and he had the capable lungs to do all three very well. He had a loud, booming voice. And uh, I remember very well, he came to our, our church one Sunday evening and was uh, leading singing, and he got the children up front, and I was up front there, and. And Ben was this big man, and he'd come right up 
to us, and, and he had this big profile, you know, when he was, you know, it seemed like his hand went from floor to ceiling almost to a little boy, and, and he was just really, and he was teaching us a song. And the song was, one door and only one, yet its sides are two. And I agree with Lowell that these, these little songs uh, sometimes have more profound thoughts and concepts in them than they're given credit for. Um, Harold Dean said one time that uh, not every song has to carry a truckload. We can have VW songs. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's a VW song, but, it, but there is a profound thought there, you know, that there is only one door and you're either inside or outside. And that's pretty sobering when we think about eternity and, and there's one door. So this morning we want to look at God, the keeper of doors. There may be times in life where we wonder, you know, have things gotten out of God's control? Does he really know, you know, what I'm going through? Does he care? Is he involved? You know, how nice it would be if this door over here would open and that one over there would close. Um, we have these thoughts at times. And my goal for this message would be to, to assure us that God is in control. He does care. And he is involved. And, and if, if this door over here is to be open, he will open it. And if this one's to stay closed, he will, he will keep it closed. He, he knows what's going on. He sees the big picture. Uh, one scripture that can give us that kind of confidence is in Revelation uh, chapter 3 to the church of Philadelphia. Uh, he says this, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. God is saying that I see, I see faith here, I see some strength, I see some faithfulness, and there's an open door for you and no man is going to shut it. There's many times in Scripture where God has, has opened doors, and we want to look at a number of those. In uh, Psalm uh, 78, there's, uh, the psalmist is writing about Israel's experience in uh, the desert, which we just studied in Sunday school. But it's interesting, the, the, the word picture used here, Psalm 78, verse 23 to 25 says this, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and hath rained down manna upon them to eat and given them the corn of heaven, and man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. Uh, 
God opening up the doors of heaven and showering food down upon his people. In Acts, we have uh, God opening doors numerous times. And uh, let's look at a few of those. In in Acts chapter 5, we had, uh, beginning of the chapter, we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira and uh, their, their sad end for uh, trying to deceive um, the apostles and, and it says, uh, lie to the Holy Ghost. And then we have uh, Peter and John going out and preaching fearlessly and uh, being, being locked up in prison. And verse 19 says, But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. The authorities locked Peter and John up, but an angel came and opened the doors and said, Go, go back out and preach. We can go back a few chapters to chapter 12 of Acts. We'll read, uh, we'll read this whole story here, uh, starting at verse 3 of Acts 12. This is uh, right after Herod had uh, killed James. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded farther to take Peter also. And then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angels said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know for surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, 
where many were gathered together praying. And Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and the damsel came and hearkened, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Here's a, just a beautiful story of how man had made every effort to secure Peter. And God saw what was going on. God saw Peter's situation and he removed everything. He opened all the doors, the chains dropped off, and he comes out. And the interesting thing is, he comes to this little house gate or door that obviously was not as big and formidable as the ones God opened, and God did not open that one. <laughs> he didn't open that one. Could have he? Could have the angel opened that gate too? Certainly. And he could have just walked right in. But for some reason, God didn't open that one. Why? We don't know. But God knows, God understands what's going on, and God opens doors for his people. Just back a few more chapters, uh, chapter 16 of Acts, a very familiar story again. And we won't read all of this story. It's a very long story, but... Uh, Paul is on his uh, journeys and he's trying to discern where God is leading him next. And it's, it doesn't use the word door, but it seems like there's a closed door to uh, the different places he was thinking of going. And he was looking for an open door and he gets this vision from God about Macedonia. And there's an open door there and he goes and travels to, to Macedonia. And we know how he, he comes there and he's preaching and this, this lady that has, uh, this demon-possessed lady is following him around and he uh, casts uh, the evil spirit out of her and that gets him in trouble with her masters, and he gets thrown into prison. So we'll start, pick up the story there in verse 21 of Acts 16. And the accusation they bring was that he's teaching customs which were not lawful for them to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Uh, Philippi was a Roman colony, and it was run like a little Rome, and they had very strict uh, culture there. They, they say nothing about their fortune being taken away from them by uh, Paul delivering this, this young lady from her evil spirit. There was a much better chance of getting him locked up by going after the Roman culture that he is disrupting. So, so that's what they they uh, charge him with. 
Verse 22, the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothing and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of sleep, seeing that the prison doors were open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out of and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straight way. And when he had brought them into the house, he set meat before them and rejoiced because in God with all his house. I think we'll stop reading there. But here we see uh, not an angel, but an earthquake opening up the doors of the prison and bringing Paul and Silas uh, to face to face with the the jailer, and through this this experience, they did not run. They did not get out of prison uh, the way Peter did, but through a relationship, it opened up a relationship with this jailer, and he found the Lord Jesus and his house, and Paul and Silas were delivered from prison in that way. We're talking this morning about God, the keeper of doors. And we see throughout these stories that God's people uh, were delivered by God opening up doors and delivering them out of the situation they were in. In Colossians 4.3, Paul says this, Wherewithal, praying for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Here Paul is pleading with the church to pray for them as leaders, as missionaries, that they would have a door of utterance. Uh, What all does he mean there? I think he's saying that a way forward for the truth of the gospel to go forth and, and to be effective Uh, to those around them. A very good prayer for God's people to pray. Uh, When we have uh, special uh, speakers come in, 
Uh, it's a very good to spend much time in prayer. Uh, Anthony Gingrich, some of you would know him. He grew up here. He's coming this fall uh, to, for meetings here. And, and it's not too soon to start praying for Anthony, that he would come and, and share God's word with us. Uh, our Sunday school teachers, our, our regular Sunday morning services, our Wednesday evening services, summer Bible school, there's lots of opportunities to pray for a door of utterance. In 2 Corinthians 2.12, Paul says this, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me of the Lord. Again, he he was saying how God opened up the door for him to to preach. We could look at... uh, Luke 11, maybe we'll pass on that one. That's the story of uh, that little parable Jesus told of a friend that comes at midnight and he, he doesn't have bread for his, uh, for his guests. And so he goes to a friend and says, hey, could, could I have some bread? And he's, no, no, the door's shut. I'm in bed with my family. And... Uh, but the man just persists and say, but please, you know, I, I must have bread. And, and because of his persistence, he uh, comes and opens the door. And the lesson that Jesus is teaching, I want you to have that kind of persistence in asking me for the Holy Spirit. And so there's God opens and closes doors based on our persistence at times in asking him. Uh, We don't like when our children do that, but God's telling us to do that with him, to be persistent, to uh, when we're asking for something that he wants to give us, uh, that probably would make a difference with parents too. Okay, let's look at some doors that God has closed. Alex mentioned this one, the ark, Genesis 7:16. It says, God closed the door. Uh, when we went out to David Troyer's wedding, we went to the ark encounter, and um, it was just refreshing again to think of how uh, big a deal <laughs> that was for Moses to build that ark and to... Uh, for the safety of his family and all these animals and and the door. Um, God shut the door. Luke 13, 24 says this, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut the door, ye being to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know know not whence ye are. Here's a picture of a, a situation where the door of opportunity is shut, it's closed, it's done, and there's only one door, and these... Poor people are on the outside because God does not know them. 
In Matthew chapter 25, we have another uh, familiar story. I think we'll read this one. Uh, Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13, is the story of the ten virgins. And these, these are sad stories because there's people that are eternally lost because the door is shut. Just like we read in Revelation, God opens doors, God closes doors, totally out of man's control. And we're either inside or outside. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil and their vessels in, in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. Go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I think one of the key words here in this parable is the word ready. They that were ready went in. The picture is uh, the kingdom of God and the, the time of decision. The wise were ready. They were prepared. They had the business taken care of. They were ready for the Lord's return. They were watching and ready. The foolish were not, and the door was shut. And there was only one door. Some were in, and some were out. Now this morning we've been looking at God, the keeper of doors. There are also doors that God has made us keepers of. God is almighty. God can do that. God can be in charge of doors, and he can give us the responsibility for doors. Let's look at a few of the doors that he has made us responsible for. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says this, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily, 
I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I think the principle Jesus is teaching here is that you need to take time and shut out the distractions of life and spend time devoted and focused on me, devoted to me and focused on me. He's saying there's, there's strength in that, and we can, we can see that in Jesus' life, how he, he spent time alone talking to the Father. And if Jesus needed that, certainly we need that. So there's a door. Jesus is indicating there's a door that we can shut that makes a difference in, in our communion with him. Shutting out the distractions of life that, that hinder a fellowship with him. And we, we know from experience how that works and how it doesn't work when that door is ajar. Phones, smartphones is, is one thing that can cause that door to be ajar. Uh, turn it off, put it in another room, do something <laughs> to keep that from hindering our time with God. There's also a door that God has made us a keeper of that he wants us to open. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. The picture is Jesus there standing at the door of our hearts and knocking. And he's not going to force his way in. He wants us to open that door. He made us keeper of that door. He wants us to open that door. Jesus is patient, kind, and caring, and loving. He longs to, to be intimately involved in, in our lives. He wants us to be that persistent friend at midnight that just goes and begs for him to, to meet our needs, to bless us with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be that faithful church praying for the Pauls and the Peters and the Johns uh, in our life and experience. He wants to guide us with his, his sweet Holy Spirit by opening and closing doors of opportunity and relationships, uh, places where his gospel can go forth. My challenge to us would be that if we follow Christ's advice in doing well, at taking care of the doors that he has put us in charge of, shutting the door of distraction, opening the door of communion with him. Then when, when we face open and closed doors in life, 
we will be much better prepared to accept an open door here and a closed door there of opportunity when we have dealt with the doors that he has put us in charge of. He wants to be Lord. He wants to be Master. In John chapter 10, we have Jesus saying this. John 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. That's the Jesus we want to focus on. The door, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life, he's the one we want to to focus on. So I'm hoping that this morning I have challenged you to, to see God as one who is aware of what's going on in life. He does care. He knows what you're going through. And if he has opened and closed doors in your life, it's because that's what's best for you. And if you're not sure, pay attention to the doors he's made you keeper of, and the rest will fall in place. Thank you. May God bless you. Shall we have a song?